Welcome to The Concierge CPA. I'm Jackie Meyer, founder of The Concierge Accountant Program and Tax Ben IQ Software. This is a podcast for accounting firm owners and influencers who are pursuing world-class service. We discuss their path to excellence, their daily habits, and what influences them and their work. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around till the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go, y'all. Hey, Jackie Meyer here, and welcome to the Concierge CPA Podcast. I have a wonderful guest with me today, not only a CPA, but also an attorney. Uh, He is one of our former CCA students, so we'll talk a little bit about the coaching program there. And he has had a lot of experiences happening to him over the last year or so uh, that we want to get some insights. So welcome so much, Mike. We appreciate you being here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm a big fan of the show and I've been watching your stuff for a few years now. So it's an honor to speak with you. Of course. Yeah. So fill in the gaps a little bit about where you came from, where you're at now and and what you're passionate about. Yeah. So I, I, I knew in college, I wanted to be a business owner, um, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And so I studied accounting, um, got my CPA license, um, but I knew I didn't want to work um, in audit. Um, started to uh, figure out that tax was my passion. And so I ended up going to law school and uh, became a tax lawyer. Um, I started my career at Ernst & Young, um, spent most of the time, most of my first seven years there. I did have a brief stint at a law firm where I practiced transactional law and then went back. And, and what I figured out was I was getting two or three phone calls a week from potential clients who I couldn't take because I was at the big firm. And I was also having this feeling that the big firm wasn't going to be a long-term fit for me because it felt like they prioritized um, the firm and internal processes and all of this stuff that didn't interest me over client experience. And so eventually, I mean, (laughs) yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I eventually decided, you know, I don't think there's much risk in going out on my own. And so um, at the end of 2017, I started my own uh, law firm and CPA firm. And then I I ran them side by side for a few years until Arizona changed its, its rules, allowing lawyers and non-lawyers to share fees. And so we combined the law firm and the accounting firm into one practice. And that's what we do now. Very cool. Okay. And um, you have an interesting name, which if you happen to be watching the video of this, his logos in the background. So Boss Advisors, which is very like sharp, right? So how did that come about in regards to the combination of the law firm and the CPA firm? And were there any issues with that with the state? You know how some states require that your name be in there as a CPA and all that junk? Yeah, Arizona is pretty... Pretty business friendly, fortunately. And so we're able to use fictitious names here. Um, Boss came to me at 3 a.m. literally one night. I I woke up. I had been spending way too much time trying to think of a name. Um, My business partner at the time had a German name that was in our firm name. And it was um, like four vowels and four consonants next to each other. (laughs) And so it was hard to pronounce. And so um, we wanted to 
to um, step back from people asking for us by name and focus more on the firm instead of us as individuals. And so we changed it to Boss Advisors and, and Boss is capitalized intentionally. It stands for Business Owner Systems and Strategies. So that's what we really we really target is business owners and specifically professional service providers. Um, we worked, I've, I've worked with a few business coaches. Brian and Hall is one that I've worked with and enjoyed working with. And, um, you know, he basically said, um, why don't you proposition yourself as a firm that provides accounting services for law firms and legal services for accounting firms? And, and that's kind of, that's worked really well for us because uh, especially, you know, having run both firms and, and worked with lots of different lawyers and accountants, I, I feel like those are the business models I understand better than anything else. And so that's what I specialize in. Cool. And underneath your title, you've got business, legal, tax, and charity. Tell me about the charity component. Yeah, so that's, um, it's funny. I, I started out at Ernst & Young, like I said, out of law school. Um, when I took the job, it was a, a position in the tax-exempt organization group. And at the time, I knew what a nonprofit was, but I had no idea what the, the depth of the nonprofit um, world. And so I spent my first seven years in practice um, hyper-focused on nonprofits. And we did billion-dollar foundations and public charities, and we did the taxes for wow. large hospital systems. So um, something I was able to, you know, kind of a, a tool in my tool belt, I was able to bring over. I've, I've brought a couple other um, nonprofit specialists um, from the same firm, and they've joined us. And and so we're able to, as a small firm, we only have 10 um, people in our firm, but we're able to bid against some of the big four on different um, nonprofit jobs because of the specialty we have. Wow. Okay. Gotcha. Now, I know that um, you had some big changes last year. Uh, you were in the Certified Concert Account Program. You weren't able to finish. Hopefully, we'll get you back in, but you had some significant circumstances happen. Um, I know you had a partnership. Now you're on your own. Tell us kind of lessons learned about that. Yeah. So um, I think this is more kind of touching on interpersonal, you know, keeping yourself in balance. Um, I've been on both sides of that. And, you know, for for a while, when I started my firm, I kind of got myself into a place where I felt like everything depended on me. And so I needed to, my, my sharpest tool was putting more hours in, right? And so I got myself to the point where I was working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, I would get up earlier and earlier, you know, started at 5 a.m., then 4 a.m., then 3 a.m., and then some nights I'm not sleeping at all. And, wow. and um, you know, I, I ended up eventually um, getting divorced and and my business partnership um, broke up. And so, um, fortunately, I'm past the, the hard parts of all that, and I'm on the side where um, lessons have been learned, absolutely valuable lessons that came with a lot of pain that I won't repeat again. Um, and one thing that I'm hyper focused on now is is scaling my business in the right way, um, getting support uh, where I need it so that I don't feel like I have to work the extra hours. And and probably for the last year, I haven't put in more than 50, 55 hours um, at all. And and nobody on my staff has either. We're really, really focused on keeping everybody in balance because I don't want anybody to go through what I had to go, what I felt like I had to go through in reality I probably didn't need to to do all those hours and the firm would have been fine. Maybe we wouldn't have grown quite so quickly, um, mm -hmm. but we would have been fine if I had just kept myself in balance before. Yeah. Would you define yourself as like a workaholic or do you think that was part of the problem? Yeah, I think, um, I think uh, work provided a, a place for me to, 
to, um, you know, put a lot of my, my worries and my stress, it, it certainly provided enough, um, you know, for me to do to distract myself from, um, you know, other things in life. And so um, I, I don't, I'm not naturally a workaholic. I, I have a pretty good balance naturally. Um, but in that stage of life, it's, it's what I felt like I had to do. So I probably during that time, I, I think I tended um, towards that, but but now I'm yeah. I'm in a lot better place. I spend time with my kids and I have hobbies outside of work. And um, ironically, my business has continued to grow at the same rate, if not um, in a better way now that I'm keep taking care of myself because people can see that I'm happy. I'm a, a great guy to work with. And, and that's really all people want is somebody who's competent, but also somebody they want to spend time with. And so um, spending time golfing and, and, uh, you know, riding my motorcycle and doing these other things has created other connections that have led back to my business. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You've got like a really good positive vibe about you. So I, I can see, I can see what they mean. Um, it's funny, you you. know, this, this concept of workaholism really just sneaks up on all of us and, uh, suddenly one day we're working those 60 plus hours and we have no idea how we got there or why, like we felt like we had to do that. Um, how did you get yourself out of that? It sounds like you kind of had some, you know, hit some rock bottom issues. I've gone through some rock bottom issues myself with my health and workaholism. That's what brought me out of it. Um, are there, I, I wish there were ways that I could convince people that haven't hit those rock bottoms yet to seek help and transform before something major happens. Do you have any tips or advice for people like that, that, that could help them? Yeah. So this, this podcast I've used um, as well as other podcasts um, as a case study. Um, and so I think whoever's listening now um, hopefully can learn these lessons from sounds like both of us um, who, who've been through, um, you know, pushing ourselves too hard and and knowing that it's just not sustainable. I turned 40 a couple of weeks ago and I just, I don't have the drive I used to have anymore. We share, we share 40th. So mine's next week. Yours is okay. a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm, um, I'd love to have, I wish I still had the the energy from my early thirties, but I just don't anymore. I don't have the mental focus. And so I have to allocate that precious resource, um, into, you know, my, really my most productive time, which is the morning hours. And so I've got about six hours of really focused time in me. And then I've got a couple hours of uh, where I can do some admin or some other smaller tasks. And so I have to really, really careful about time blocking and, and making sure I'm working on the right things at the right times. Um, but I, I would say back to your answer your question, um, if you find yourself that in that situation, just, just reach out to, uh, to someone like Jackie, reach out to someone like me and, um, we can, we can help you, you know, talk through, um, where you're at now, help you see maybe some of the, the things that you look at right now as, um, these are, are immovable objects and help you realize that actually, no, these are things you can overcome. And maybe maybe it's your mindset right now that is the thing that needs to change. And and if you if you don't email answer that email tonight, maybe everything's going to be okay. So maybe or maybe maybe it's okay if um, you know the worst consequence of you not answering that email is the client leaving. Maybe that's okay for that one client to leave, but most likely they won't leave. Most likely they'll understand that you're human too, and you need you get burned out, and you need to keep yourself in balance. For sure. You know, that reminds me, I don't know if I mentioned this on this podcast yet, 
But about a month ago, I decided I was completely done with emails. So for years, I've had an assistant checking my emails, prioritizing my emails. And even with that, I would go on these wonderful trips that I planned with my family. I said, I'm going to travel a whole month of the summer with my family. And this is like the third year I've been able to do that, which has been great. But I get back and it's a freaking disaster of like stuff <laughs> I have to do, right? Right even with everything like perfectly organized. So I'm like, I'm done, Lauren, you're taking my email. I turned on a permanent out of office responder, which you probably saw. <laughs> I've seen it. Yeah, I know that actually made it to the agenda for my our visionary integrator meeting that I have with my practice manager. Um, I was like, look at this. This is, this, is what I'm, this is what I'm going for. And I've had somebody managing my emails for a few years now as well, but there's, all, there's always ones that fall back to me and mm -hmm. so I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, wow, I could, that could be me. I could totally do that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So my friends make fun of me because they're like, email doesn't bring you joy anymore. Really? I'm like, yeah, exactly. Like I literally, that's the first thing I say. It doesn't bring me joy. I'm sorry, but this is not where my time and focus needs to be. Like I want to be out there helping people and talking to people and stuff like that. So um, it, it's, it's been a big step, but it's relieved a lot of weight on my shoulders. So it's, you know, always making progress, right? Love it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it sounds like you did take time blocking to heart from the CCA program. So you're doing your structured weeks, time blocking, which is like number one thing we recommend. To go back to something you said that I think is important to reiterate, um, you have to take a little bit of extra time in your day or week to plan ahead so that you are getting the things done that you think you need to do. And you mentioned like, I know I only have six good hours in me of focused work, right? And so you yep. have to plan around that in your day. And so when you're planning your next week, it's like, okay, I know I've got six good hours each day. Here's the blocks of when I can do that. I know I'm done for after 3 p.m. or, you know, I go into a coma and there's no way <laughs> I'm doing anything good at that point. And so I love those like small little tips that I think really probably help people with, with that focus. So that's great. Yeah. So what, what yeah. I do is um, I, I hear a lot of people that um, they, they talk about, you know, I use Sunday night to go um, block out my week and look at my calendar and plan. But for me, Sunday night is precious. Um, yeah. That's precious time with my kids. That's precious time. I mean, when the, when the NFL's on, that's basically a holiday every Sunday. I watch the Cardinals and um, I don't want to spend my Sunday nights thinking about work. And so what I do is I don't take any meetings on Monday, Wednesday, or Friday. Um, all of my client meetings are on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, and then Monday I have time to come in and it's, it's mostly internal meetings, but I have the first four hours of the day. That's when I plan my week. So I, I don't need to squeeze that in on a weekend. I just make that I make my schedule work for me. And I don't want to meet with people on Monday mornings. I want time to be reflective and um, be creative. And, um, you know, I also do my books and kind of some, you know, look at my finances on Mondays. Um, but planning the week is my, my main objective. And by the time I'm done with that session, I'm ready to conduct a team meeting. I'm aware of what's going on in my firm. Um, I know what my priorities are and then I've, I've blocked out time during the week to make sure the most important things get worked on. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. So I block Mondays and Fridays as well. 
Um, I, I admit I'm finishing a doctorate, so I do some of that work then. But yeah, it's my day to kind of get into the groove. I don't want to spend any weekend or night hours doing work. It's like the principle of it, like recovering for workaholism. You're like, if I go back to sneaking in planning or an email or anything like that at night, like I'm cheating, right? So you you just have to set like really strong boundaries for yourself. But yeah, I like that kicking off the Monday work week with with those details. So other things that y'all have done that you, you know, you say you love practice management. I'm like, how do you love practice management? What, tell me your secrets about that. Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm such a nerd. Um, but I listen to a podcast every morning. Um, I rotate between a few accounting practice management podcasts. The one that I started with was David Cristello's podcast, um, growing your firm. And I, that's where I actually heard about you for the first time. And that was several years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And so what I, I, I use that as my creative time. I walk my dog in the morning um, and listen to one podcast, get that done for the day. I actually, I'll put a plug in for the Earmark app, um, which gives me continuing education for listening to the podcast, which is huge. Um, but but that's how I spend my, my extra time. If I'm reading a book, I, I do read fiction, but um, I've got a full library of practice management books and started with Michael Gerber's book and um, I've read every kind of variation that comes from that. I listen to books, I read books. Uh, I've just figured out it's what drives me. It's what I'm passionate about. If I'm, if I am going to come get into the office at 5am one morning, because I have some extra time, um, I'm not going to work on a contract or a tax return at 5am. I'm going to work on the firm for a couple hours until my day starts because that's what drives me. Yeah. Awesome. So give us some of your favorite books or maybe just one, just one that you're like, man, if, if the listeners have not read this, they really need to go drop everything and read it. Okay. I'm going to cheat. Um, probably, probably my favorite book right now is the business playbook. Um, and that's by Chris Ronzio. He's the guy that, um, created Trainual, um, local from Arizona as well. Um, I, I love that because we're really focused on systemizing right now. And it's mm-hmm. it's the it's a basically um I have manual for systemizing and um you know can I say processitizing, <laughs> creating systems and Ooh, processes. Yeah, I like um, it. Um it, it's it really it puts it in a format that just it's, it's similar to systemology, but it, it puts it into a really um easy to use format in terms of looking at all the different systems in your firm and putting it, putting everything in its proper place. And then, um, you know, being able to create SOPs um, and a, a process for every single thing within your firm, which is what creates value. It's also what makes your life easier. You know, here's an embarrassing fun fact about me. I didn't even know what SOP meant like over a year ago. I mean, it's like <laughs> these terms you get introduced to and now it's like everywhere. You're like, where's our SOP for this? Where's our SOP for that? Um. So, okay. What's the name of the book one more time? Because I want to make sure that I grab it as well. Yeah. It's called The Business Playbook. Awesome. Um, yeah, I was just interviewed on um, Seth David's podcast and I was talking about how it really doesn't feel like we have a true end-to-end playbook for the accounting profession in general. Like, you know, we've got traction and EOS. Are you familiar with those concepts? Yeah, Yeah. we use use a version of traction. 
um, which I love. It's that's that's one of my top books as well, for sure. Yeah, it's good, but like it's it helps you visualize the different aspects of your business. And I think something needs to go a little further than that with our industry in particular in regards to making sure that we've optimized sales, marketing, customer service, operations. You know, how do you measure the health of that in a firm? And then how do you optimize it? And so it sounds like this might be a step in that direction. So I'm excited to see it. Yeah, there is a book. Um, I, I I completely agree with you. There's not one manual right now. Um, there is a book for law firms that I think accomplishes that. And I think it could be um, a good model for um, creating one for the accounting industry. Um, that one's called... Um, the the small firm roadmap Ooh, okay, it's cool. it's really good it's written by the lawyerist but even our our professions are so parallel that um reading the small firm roadmap and in fact they just issued the second version and i have i think i have like a small quote in there which i'm really proud of um <laughs> so awesome. um our the, the industries are so similar there's a ton you can learn from that book um as well yeah, I've always kind of felt sorry for attorneys because I felt like it's so much easier to value price tax advisory than it is to value price legal services. How have you worked with that and optimized that situation? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, in fact, I think it's easier to scale accounting firms in general um, because, you know, you think of an accounting firm, you can really think of it as a, it, it can be run like a business. You can delegate and you can scale, um, you know, things like basic bookkeeping and tax prep for law firms. You typically think of them as a practice um, that you need higher level, you need attorneys working. Um, so we've actually done that within, um, within both our tax and legal services. We've created a subscription model um, started with tax about probably four years ago and that's been through, I don't know, probably 20 iterations, but I now yeah, have it okay. at a point where. Because <laughs> people are like, I don't know where to start. I'm like, just do it. Just start. It's going to evolve and change constantly, but you've got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You have to just get something going and it's not going to be perfect, but it, it works. And you'll find that um, whatever version it's in, it's going to attract some customers, some clients. Um, so we actually just recently, um, at the beginning of this year, um, launched a parallel legal subscription, um, which is, was really challenging. It took me about a year to scope that out and figure out what's the right mix of legal services to offer without yeah. offering too much, but also being able to provide enough value to make it worth it for for business owners. Awesome. Okay. Well, don't leave me hanging on that. So tell me more. Like, how'd you do it? <laughs> Yeah. So, so basically um, what, I, what I find is that um, business owners are looking for uh, somebody that they can consult with when the stuff, the, the, when the stuff hits the fan, we'll say, um, sure. I don't know who's listening to the podcast. Somebody <laughs> might be in their car with their kids. Right. So, so they need that, they need that um, real time access um, and especially with legal services, uh, but to the same, to the same extent with tax services, um, when you get an IRS notice, when you're sitting at the dealership trying to buy a vehicle and you forget, uh, how should I do this? Um, when there's, uh, you know, you get any sort of, um, you, you hear, you watch a video on TikTok and you're like, oh, I wonder if that plan would work for me. 
Uh, same thing on the legal side. Um, they need that real-time access. So we include in our subscription um, on-call advice, um, and we also include quarterly meetings um, so that we can proactively provide advice. Um, and then with the taxes, on the tax side, we provide the the business and personal returns for the business owners. And, and the, you know, we scale that so that if there are multiple entities that have to file, or if there are multiple um, K-1, K-1s to be issued, or, or, you know, we'll, we'll charge a little more for that. Um, and we have, it's all, it's all formulaic at this point. Um, that's probably been the key for me is getting myself out of the uh, onboarding process out of the quoting uh, because that, that was always my role was to sit down and come up with this magical quote. And it, you know, for the first couple of years, I was just making it up. Um, huh? I just, I truly was just like, out of the top of my head, what I thought it would be worth and what I thought people should charge. And it was completely disproportionate um, and it was completely subjective. And so now, now I have a tool that I created that um, every client can be quoted by one of my administrative staff without me ever looking at it. All I have to say is here's the type of client they are. So we, we do clients by profiles. So here's the profile of the client. Here's the services they, they need. And then from there, my admin team can take it. They can send a proposal. We use Ignition um, and they can um, get them the right price, which is now completely um, objective um, based on not not just based on how much time it takes us. That's certainly something we consider, but it, primarily the, the factor is what is the value of that service um, in the market? That's how we're pricing our, our uh, services. The check that we use is, okay, how long does that take us to do that? Can we still hit our profit margin? If we can still hit our profit margin, which is we're going for a 50% gross profit margin, um, if we can still hit that and we can charge what the value is in the market, then that's a service we'll provide. Um, there's a, services that we choose not to provide like payroll services because the alternatives are so good now. Uh, we use Gusto for payroll. And I would never yeah, want to compete it's, against it's them. It's pretty slick, right? Yeah. Yeah, it just makes so much more sense. So I, I don't. No one wants to pay my hourly rate to do their payroll, and I don't. I'm not interested in in being on call and running payroll every two weeks. So we automate that piece of our practice. That makes sense. Yeah. So is this on the attorney side, or is this? Uh, are you packaging the tax work in with that, or are they separately quoted? They're they're separately quoted. Okay. Um, but what we do is we do integrate them. And that was a mistake that we we made early on was not integrating them. And so it kind of created this dynamic in our firm where there was tax versus legal. And so mm -hmm. what we do now is um, for our quarterly tax meetings, each each quarter has a theme. And so we'll invite a financial advisor um, to join for one of the quarterly meetings. If they have their own, great. If not, then we have somebody in our network um, that will just do like a preliminary and, and every every financial advisor is happy to do this. They'll do a cursory review of the the portfolio or whatever the holdings are and just provide some some valuable input um, and they'll do that for free. And so that's the value we'll provide to our clients. And then during one of our quarterly meetings, we have one of our lawyers uh, join and just give some some high level insight as to, hey, I've looked over your formation, your structure. Um, I've looked over your contracts. Here's some observations I have. And it's just, it's great um, feedback for the client. And if that's all they get from it, then it's worth doing. Most of the time, 
um, it leads to additional work. So it's really a sales opportunity because then we're able to say, hey, we can restructure this in a way that's going to save you money, that's going to reduce your liability, reduce your risk. And and we can do this on a subscription basis. So you don't have to pay $10,000 out of pocket today for legal services. You pay us X amount per month. And you have not only will we do this work up front, but we'll have you'll have access to us throughout the year. Awesome. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. So I know you said that you recently started using Taxman IQ. We actually just embedded a like suggested implementation fee tool in there. And it's kind of similar to what you described. I based it off of the AICPA uh, pricing tool. And so you've got like the intangible benefits that you're bringing to the table and you kind of say whether it's low, medium or high risk, um, the urgency level, the complexity, and the risk that is involved in the work. Um, and then it kind of backs into that value price proposition, combining the tax savings with all these intangibles. So it's been really, it was really hard to come up with that. Like, but people were wanting it so bad for so long. And now I'm like, well, duh. I mean, I should have done that a long time ago. So. Yeah, that's a huge tool. I haven't, I, I saw that um, was released. I haven't been able to use it yet, but I love that so much because that's the that eliminates the guessing game for a lot of us, um, mm -hmm. which is, you know, there's just not enough information, you know, and not that we want to, you know, get to the point of collusion, but there's just not enough information in the public forums to where we know uh, it's really easy to determine what is the value of the services we're providing. Um, that's always a guess, and it's hard to, to be accurate in your quotes when you're pulling it out of thin air every time. For sure, for sure. All right. Do you have a like favorite kind of productivity hack? Um, I definitely am going to go back to time blocking. Um, it's it's been time blocking and having somebody checking my emails um, is has changed my life. Um, <laughs> That's especially awesome. the latter. Especially the latter. I'm not to the point where you are where I don't look at emails at all. But there are yeah. lots of days where I don't look at emails. That's really. Uh, but but things are still being addressed, which is the key. You, you got to stay responsive. So, yeah, for sure. Okay. And what's is there a particular? I know you've already talked a lot about various lessons that you've learned over the years. But uh, any other like words of wisdom for our our listeners as to just whether they're struggling with working too much or don't know if they have an optimal practice, like what should they do? Um, I would recommend that people get coaching before you think you need coaching. Um, I wish I would have gotten a coach before I started my practice. Um, but there's, there's been almost no times within my six years of running this firm that I haven't had some sort of business coach. And when you're choosing a coach, you really just want to find somebody who is, who's accomplished what you're trying to accomplish and can save you a lot of the heartache because they can speak from a place of I've been there and trust me, I'm going to, I'm going to skip um, B, C, and D. I'm going to take you from A to E right now. And, and so get a coach. It's worth the investment. Um, the right coach, obviously you got to vet your coach as well. They've got to earn it, but um, definitely get a coach as soon as you possibly can. And, just put that money into, into that. It'll save you a lot of time and, and pain. Yeah. I think that people kind of assume you only need a coach kind of like you only need a counselor if you have a bunch of problems. Right. But honestly, like the, the highest optimized or best run firms out there 
had coaching at some point, if not continually, that just keeps them soaring. You know, I have like four or five different coaches all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Huge proponent of it because they're just going to give you a different point of view and you need an outside reference to the day-to-day because we really get in the weeds and sometimes we really mess it up, right? Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I'll say briefly is surround yourself with uh, people who are like-minded and who are doing the same thing you're doing. So find your online community. I, re- I like the Realize group, um, which is, has been, it's a tech, tech kind of a tech focus, excuse me, tech focused um, accounting firm owners. And that's that's rlz.io, um, great group. There's a lot of Facebook groups out there, but um, find them and, and whether may, maybe it's the CPA down the street, just find other people who are doing the same thing as you and keep your mindset um, one of abundance because there's plenty of work out there. Um, it should not feel competitive. There's so much work, there's so much need. Um, we can all benefit from helping each other and sharing what we're doing instead of you know holding things in. Just share all the information because it'll lift all of us up equally. For sure, yeah. Uh, are there particular conferences that you really like to make sure that you go to? Um, I wish I could say yes. I'm actually trying to figure that out because I've, I haven't been, um, uh, there, there's a workflow conference I'm attending coming up in October. I think it's called Workflow Con. I think this is the first year they're doing it. Um, I loved the law- the lawyerist conference that I went to last year, but that's more on the legal side. Um, I sure. I would take I would love your recommendations on that, but I don't have any that that I have found um, yet. Yeah. So, gosh, it just. I think it kind of depends a lot on your software providers and because you tend to end up in this very like sphered off or um, siphoned off area when it comes to to what you need to know and who you need to talk to. Um, I'm still kind of readjusting because I was so into it, into it, into it for many years. And um, now I'm kind of just playing the field. <laughs> So I don't really have, I loved QuickBooks Connect though. I really did. Um, I didn't, uh, scaling new heights is really adding more tax components to things. So I'm hoping to get more involved with that one next year. Um, and what else? What else? Gosh, there's like a lot of just smaller ones that tend to be fun. But to me, no matter what conference you're at or any community you're at, like you learn the coolest gems from people from just talking to them face to face for two minutes versus, you know, even just a Zoom conversation or whatever. And I really started to appreciate that after COVID for sure. Yeah, there was a conference I went to on a really on a whim last year. I'm trying to remember the name of it. I went completely last minute and I went just to meet a couple of people. I wanted to meet Brandon Hall in person. And then I wanted to meet, um, uh, dark horse CPA. Can't remember his name. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, um well, of course I forgot too. Now that anyway, you said- <laughs> there, there you go. Anyway, you guys know who I'm talking about. Um, yeah. he's awesome. So I, I flew out to Chicago last minute just to meet those guys. And that was, that was the highlight of the conference for me. I was just being able to meet them in person and exchange some notes. And, you know, I think I had one meal with each of them and, and learned so much from those conversations and, and opened the door for, um, you know, touch points during the year. I've messaged each of them, you know, as needed and 
and that goes both ways. I think we, could, we all have something to offer to each other. For sure. Yeah. I've had Brandon Hall on the podcast and was it Chase Berkey that you're thinking yes. of? Yeah. Chase. Okay. He's awesome. Yeah. So he is so Chase, awesome. I need to ask him on the podcast too. Um, we were on a, what were we doing? We, oh, we were on 40 under 40 together for CPA practice advisors. So as I'm aging out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you made it. That's awesome. <laughs> least I have my time to shine. <laughs> There's always 50 under 50. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't think they make that, but we'll see. <laughs> All right. So um, you mentioned before we started the podcast that you used to have three tiers of packaging and that you changed that. Tell our listeners a little bit more about why. Yeah. So what I found was offering three tiers, um, I didn't like that my clients were in the position to choose what level of service they would receive. Um, the reason I didn't like that is because when they chose the wrong level of service, um, they had a bad experience. And so they might make a, a decision based on price alone where I know that they actually need more service because now they're an S corp. And so maybe the, the first tier didn't include reasonable compensation study. Maybe it didn't include managed payroll. And those are things I knew they would need or, or accountable plan, um, whatever it was. And so, um, and then I had other clients who were being, who were paying too much and really had a simple structure and didn't need that much. And so um, this was about a year and a half ago, um, another just kind of breakthrough I had, which I decided to profile my clients. So I just looked at my client list, kind of took a, a 10,000 foot view and categorize them into four categories. So for us, we serve real estate professionals, um, startups, so solopreneurs, owner operators, and and enterprise owners. And so those are the four categories. And for each of those, we went and defined what the criteria was. And these are all these are all service providers. Um, we don't do manufacturing, we don't do um, retail. Um, okay. And so they're, you know, either professional service providers or construction. That's a big industry in Arizona. Um, and so we looked at what, what, what are the defining characteristics of each group to start? Okay. So we kind of mapped that all out in this big Excel spreadsheet. And then um, we mapped out next for each of those categories. What do each, what do they need? What services are they absolutely in need of that are, you know, if I didn't provide those service, that service, I would be doing them a disservice. And so we defined that and that became our scope of service for each of them. And then we looked at, okay, based on the services we're providing, what is the value um, based on the number of times we're going to meet with them based on how many tax returns we're going to prepare based on how many hours per month we think that we will be consulting with them. What's the value of that service we're providing to them? And then we came up with a, our fee. And then, like I said before, we check that against how much time are we spending or are we, because this is all a big guess, right? When you start, uh, how much time do we anticipate spending with each of these types of clients? And then are we making our profit margin doing that? Then we're good. Then that, that service is set. And, and these, you know, we've adjusted it um, so many times, but now it's, it's tweaks instead of overhauls, which, which yeah. is really good. I think we have a good place now. Um, and we, we actually did the same thing on the legal side use the same four categories and just define that similarly. Okay. So how do you define like enterprise level versus the one that was right below that? Yeah. So enterprise level means they're operating multiple, they're 
they're running multiple operating businesses. So not just holding companies, but they've got multiple lines of service, multiple revenue sources that are they're actively participating in. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas an owner operator would be a single member S corp um, typically. Okay. And that, that person is just one operating business is all they're focused on. That's their primary, maybe their sole source of income. Yeah. Okay. No, that's, I love that. I think that's a really interesting way to do it um, for sure. Okay, cool. Well, we're coming up to the end of our time together to get our CPE for earmark. <laughs> Good. <laughs> So shout out to your mark. How can people reach out to you if they are like, I need to talk to Mike. He's amazing. I need more advice from him. Oh yeah. In that unlikely event, um, they can just find me on LinkedIn. (laughs) Um, It's uh, Mike Payne, JDCPA, or they can go to our website, bossadv.com. So like boss advisors, B-O-S-S-A-D-V.com. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mike. This was super fun. I, I always love to dive into these nitty gritty details of how people are doing things differently in their practices. So I really appreciate you sharing and being vulnerable with, with some of the things that have happened in your life because it happens to all of us and it's, it's important, I think, to share. So, um, on that note, this episode was brought to you by Tax Plan IQ, who has Jane, our new chatbot coming out that's based on GPT-4 that I am super excited about. It's going to make people like 70% more efficient in their tax advisory services. So go to taxplaniq.com to check that out. And thanks again, Mike. Take care. Thank you. listening to the concierge cpa hosted by tax plan iq we believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world if you are a successful accounting firm owner or influencer who would like to be on this program please visit jackiemeyercpa.com j-a-c-k-i-e-m-e-y-e-r-c-p-a.com to apply please share this on social media and rate us so we can continue our good work Join our Facebook group called Accounting Firm Influencers or connect with me on most platforms under Jackie Meyer CPA. Thanks for being accountable to transforming our industry today.